podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast on the first non-race weekend for quite a while. Samuel Sage and Harry E. Join me. Guys, how are you doing? Indy 500 up this weekend. Was that like a, an answer to how are you doing? How are you doing? Indy 500 this weekend? Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah I've just right. decided to cut you guys out completely and just answer my own questions now. <laughs> That's fair enough. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you. No, we bring bad content. I am looking forward to the Indy 500, though. Go. Uh, who, who, I'll go Ericsson, obviously. Sorry. Watch yeah, it. guaranteed Alonso win from P26 on the grid, right? Yeah, he's oh, so good yeah. at it. He's so good at it. <laughs> anyway, we will actually talk about some racing this side of the the Atlantic. We're going to be looking at the AWS rankings. So Formula One have decided, because it's an off weekend, because there aren't any races coming up, that they're just going to stir the pot. They they just they just want to rile everyone up basically. So they've released a, a list of the top ten drivers based on one lap pace. Uh, we'll be going through that and uh, and looking at the results that it's given. We're also going to be assessing whether Max Verstappen can maintain his P two in the championship throughout the rest of two thousand and twenty, or whether Valtteri Bottas will eventually get back ahead of him. Istanbul looks like it's going to be returning to the F one calendar. We'll be looking at whether we think there could be a good race there. And F1 back and forth makes a reappearance on the podcast. I can hear the cheers from here. But first of all, let's get into those AWS rankings because they were slightly controversial, to put it mildly. Um, since 1983, that's the uh, that's the time period that they used. They were looking at one lap pace, uh, a focus on performance versus teammates. The top 10 that it gave out as a result of that were Ayrton Senna in first, Michael Schumacher second, Lewis Hamilton third, and then the top 10 rounded out by Verstappen, Alonso, Rosberg, Leclerc, Heike Kovalainen, Jarno Trulli, and Sebastian Vettel. Very interesting results. Sam, I'll go to you first. Uh, just looking at Ayrton Senna being first place, first of all, do you think he is the fastest Formula One driver, at least in the time period given? Uh... I agree with this statement as much as I agree that there is life in the rest of the universe. I don't know. There's no actual factual way of checking this. It is not an understandable statistic that you can come to a knowledgeable conclusion on until you have some weird concrete proof. Actually, there's probably more chance of there being life in the universe other than human beings rather than knowing if Ayrton Senna is actually the fastest driver of all time across Formula 1. You can't judge this statistic, especially when you look at the statistic that says that Ayrton Senna is the fastest driver ever in Formula 1. Then you look at the man that who was, was his biggest rival across his, almost his entire Formula 1 career, who beat him more often than not. Alain Prost isn't in the top 10. Alain Prost, the man that's got more world titles, Alain Prost that's one of the most successful drivers of all time, isn't in the top 10. And yet the rival that Alain Prost beat across multiple seasons is first. Now, Ayrton Senna was ridiculously fast. Ayrton Senna was incredibly talented. Ayrton Senna's heel and toe sent shivers down my spine. 
That man <laughs> was so brilliant at racing a car in any capacity. Don't get me wrong. The, the respect that I have for Ayrton Senna is, is dumbfounded. It's on a higher level than even I understand. But the amount of different ways that you could judge who is the fastest person in Formula One just goes on and on and on and on. Lewis Hamilton, he has the most pole positions across, all, you know, across Formula One of all time. That theoretically puts him in the top spot. Or George Russell, who has never lost to his teammate. Well, that theoretically puts him into the top spot because I don't know a single other driver that never lost to their teammate over the amount of races they've done. So maybe George Russell's the fastest driver of all time. Yano Trulli. No one can ever take that train. Also, that hairstyle. So he's maybe the fastest driver of all time. Honestly, I've got, you know, big love for Ayrton, of course. Of course. But I don't know how you could just come to a conclusion that there is a first place. The variables in this and comparing cars from across the, across an era doesn't even make sense at all. And when the person that he was compared to most in his actual era isn't in the top 10, despite winning more world titles than him, I I don't get it. I don't understand. Amazon, you've made a fool of yourself. And the F1 community have spat on their, you know, F1 rather, have spat on their community. You're filth. You mean nothing to us. We're just taking the mickey out of you. We're laughing here with Jeff Bezos. Chase Carey and Jeff with their big fat cigars made of money. And they're going, ha! <laughs> Look at them F1 simps. We've, we've mugged them right off. They all think that Ayrton's the fastest, and we don't even know. Honestly, it's a travesty. It's a ridiculous statistic, and I just can't agree with it. Even if he actually was, and some F1 god came down and told us that was the case, I don't know if I could even agree. It seems so ridiculously difficult to come up with that solution. Yeah, and I, I think from AWS's perspective and F1's perspective, they could have been much clearer from the outset as to what they were analysing here because they came out and said that Ayrton Senna is the fastest driver in F1 since 83, when in actual fact they are just looking at qualifying uh, and they're just really looking at teammate comparison. They're, they're not really, they're not assessing races, you know, they're not assessing titles or, or anything like that, which they could have been a bit clearer about from the start. Harry, would you agree with with these guys that, that Senna is the fastest of all time in qualifying, at least? I um, I don't necessarily have an issue with that top three because I think you could swap all of those three around and put, put them in whatever positions within those top three. And I would I would say, yeah, that's fine. I'd, I, you could have Schumacher first, Hamilton first, Senna first. And I think I'd be like, yeah, that's fair. Like, you, you probably nailed that. I just, I'm with Sam. I don't quite understand the logic of it all. And, uh, yeah. And what, and the necessity? Do we need this in our lives? I don't know. I mean, it's such a difficult one to compare. And as Sam has already said, you, you, it, we're never going to really know because, bless him, Ayrton is no longer with us and he would never have raced against, you know, Hamilton at Hamilton's prime. I mean, he only just started racing at Schumacher as he was coming up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I question why we need it, uh, apart from, you know, to spark some ridiculous baity conversation within the F1 community. If that was purpose, they smashed it. They've done really well there. Um, but I, I don't know why we need it for. Um, really difficult to compare. And it's something we'll just never find the answer to. Um, yeah. I've got, I like I said, I've got no issue necessarily with that top three, but why? <laughs> They're really, really struggling for things to talk about in between these two race weekends. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's given us something to talk about, I guess, but 
still. Yeah, I don't know, Amazon. I didn't need this in my life. I still don't need it in my life. Get in the bin. Go back to delivering packages, not controversy. Yeah, yeah, you tell them, Sam. All I have to say is embrace the banter. Come on, <laughs> this is so exciting. I I agree with you, by the way, that I, I think it's far too simplified in terms of what they've done, and I'll, I'll speak about that in a little bit, but um, I really think they should take into account more factors than what they have. But I, I just... To be perfectly honest and blunt, just appreciate the banter. I am a sucker <laughs> for a top 10 list. So um, fair play to them for coming out with this. I completely agree with them in the sense that Ayrton Senna is the fastest driver in qualifying since 1983. And for me, the only two that can rival him in qualifying came before 1983, Jim Clark and one Manuel Fangio, um, in which case I think Senna is rightfully first here. Senna was outqualified by his teammate Ilio De Angelis at the 1985 Austrian Grand Prix. The next time he was outqualified by a teammate was at the 1988 French Grand Prix. So he went, he went 44 consecutive races. You know, George Russell's on that run at the moment, and who knows, he, he could get there. But 44 consecutive races at the front, pretty much as well. He went unbeaten against teammates, and admittedly. Two of those teammates were Johnny Dumfries and, and Nakajima, who aren't exactly the greatest Formula One drivers of all time. But he proved that he could do it against Alain Prost as well. Alain Prost, obviously a four-time world champion. And Senna demolished him in qualifying. It was 28-4 in their two years together, which is an absolute drubbing. And I would agree with what you said, Sam, in terms of Alain Prost being able to compete in the races. And if this was an overall ranking... I would personally have Prost just ahead of Senna, but in qualifying, Senna wipes the floor for me. And I, I, th- I think I've mentioned this record before uh, on previous podcasts on on previous videos, but it's just that remarkable that I'm going to say it again, is that in Ayrton Senna's career, he he raced 162 times. He was out-qualified by a teammate 18 times in 162 races which means in 89% of the races he took part in, he was ahead of his teammate on the grid. And to put that in context with a few of the other drivers, of course, Schumacher and Hamilton immediately succeeding him in that list. Michael Schumacher, who as well actually has a very similar record, only 74% of the time he outqualified his teammate. Hamilton even less, 63%. So Senna is a long way clear in that respect. But to give Schumacher his due as well, because I think he's a worthy second place here, he had a very similar run to Senna as well in terms of being unbeaten. He went even longer, actually. I think he went 56 races unbeaten against teammates in the 90s. He went nearly, I think he went nearly four years without being outqualified by a teammate. And when he did, uh, the 95 Belgian Grand Prix, he actually won the race from 15th just to, just to prove how great he was. But... He didn't do it against schmucks either. I mean, that Brundle, Patrese, Herbert were all involved in that stint from Schumacher. So Schumacher's qualifying. He's often seen as a Sunday specialist, but that takes away from how good he was in qualifying, particularly in the 90s. I think he was in his first 11 seasons. He was out qualified just nine times, which is absolutely ridiculous. And Lewis Hamilton, who a lot of people claim is the greatest qualifier of all time, is something I debunk a lot of the time. I don't think he is. I think he's a great qualifier, but I wouldn't put him higher than fourth or fifth. 
you know, his his best season against a teammate where he won 75% of the races against his teammate, that was against Jensen Button in 2012, is the equivalent of Ayrton Senna's worst year in Formula One. And he's been outqualified 94 times in his career, which, you know, is over five times more than Ayrton Senna. So for me, they've got this ranking spot on in the top three. When you look down the list, I mean, the one that the one that stands out is Heike Kovalainen here. <laughs> Can I, what do you mean? What do you mean that's the one that stands out? Sam, when you saw that Heike Kovalainen was eighth, without swearing, what was your reaction? Come on, babyface. You've done it. The justice is yours. I yeah, was I ecstatic for the young man. Yeah, he, he's, he's clearly only four years old. He's having a great career. He's in the top ten list of all time. Who cares about fastest laps in the race or most laps led or distance to your teammate after the race? Who cares about all those statistics? Heike Kovalainen is better than Alan Prost. There it oh, is. And I just absolutely loved it as well when Heike Kovalainen made his debut at the age of minus nine. Like that was <laughs> that was special. Yeah, the man is a baby face through and through, and I am proud of him for the achievements he's, he's managed to do. Who knows where he can go from here? The fact that he's still got so much of his life ahead of him. Honestly, Kovalainen in the top ten. You're having an absolute Tim Bath, aren't you, really? Hang on, Chase, Chase carries on the phone. Hold on, lads. Hold on. Chase. Chase, mate. Yep. Yep. Hey, Kikoba Lyon in the top eight. What, what are you playing at, mate? You, you want to come down to Croydon in London? We'll have a fifty cuffs in the park. At, oh, it's a voicemail. Sorry. Hold on. Good pick up. Anyway, Kikoba Lyon, get in the bin, mate. You've got the top ten. You're having a laugh. See you later. <laughs> get in the bin. You're having a laugh. See you later. The three components to any sign-off from a Sam argument. <laughs> Harry, what did you make of Heike Kovalainen in the top 10? I mean, you picked up on Rubens Barrichello's response. He finished 11, actually. So just <laughs> Rubens mugged him off! He did. Oh, Rubens. Um, I, my response well, is slash was, I didn't realise what a good team boss Tony Fernandez was for hiring... <laughs> the eighth and ninth fastest F1 driver yep. since 1983. Who who knew that? I mean, what a potent combination that team actually was, and we never knew. They they that car must have been really bad because they obviously yeah. didn't show their you know their their prowess then. But um, yeah, the dream team, eighth and ninth fastest, Heike Kovalainen and, and Jana Trulli, unbelievable scenes. I mean, I don't know where they've plucked that from. I can't. I, I can't work it out. I'm trying to think if it's done on teammates. He was against Fizikella. Don't know the don't know the stats on that one. Fizzy was pretty handy still though in 07. Then he was against Hamilton. I imagine Hamilton pretty uh, outqualified him. With Wiped the floor with him. And then who was he with after that? Uh, oh, Yano Trudy. So I mean that one. <laughs> that, that one well, stacks see, up. I think I can understand this because first of all, to speak about Yano Trudy, and you know me. Big Yano Trulli fan. I'm going to stick <laughs> up for him whenever I can, at least in terms of qualifying. And people are taking the mick out of Yano Trulli being in the top 10. He deserves to be there. He at least deserves to be in the conversation because he is a quality, quality driver on a Saturday. And the thing is, he stacks up very well against Fernando Alonso, who he was teammates for two years, Jensen Button, Ralph Schumacher, plenty of other drivers. And the only time, this is the thing, the only time Jano Trulli was out-qualified by a teammate across a season <laughs> was against Heike Kovalainen in 2010. So I think oh, I understand God. why Heike Kovalainen is there, because on paper, considering how well Jano Trulli stacked up against some very good teammates, Heike Kovalainen 
beat the guy who stacks up very well against Button, Alonso and the rest. So suddenly, Heike looks very good in comparison. The problem is it doesn't take into account, and this is one of the problems with the rankings in the first place, it doesn't take into account that Yano Trilli in 2010 was 63 years old and way past his prime. <laughs> so, oh dear. anyway, I thought I thought it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to discuss it. It's um, it's just that I just love the banter, love the banter. The banter is brilliant, but there are so many other ways to talk about how fast you are as a driver. I've mentioned a couple already. How many fastest laps do you have across your career? Um, what's your gap to your teammate when finishing races? Um, I mean, that's essentially have, what they've no. done here. But in qualifying. But do them all. Do them all together. You might get some kind of actual fair result. But they've just the amount of variables across qualifying across people's career is just hilarious. The amount of things that can go wrong and go right that could tip a performance. If you're part, if you're if you DNF from four races, but you still technically beat your teammate across a season, the gap is going to actually be massive in terms of like the tenths difference, isn't it? But if you have a perfect run then you're going to have a brilliant score. It, it, there's so many differences that you can pick and choose from. I love it. Nice one, Amazon. You have literally prime, same-day delivery, banter. <laughs> same-day banter. You've got to love it. Um, Harry, just a final word from you on this. Um, how is the strongly worded letter to Formula One coming along from R- Ricardo Rossett not being involved in the top 10? Oh, well, yeah, I didn't want to talk about this because, you know, it's just going to make me upset. And, uh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. To be honest, he's been robbed. He's Again. been Ricardo. He's been Ricardo robbed, basically. Um, yeah, it deserves the much worst better. joke we've ever had on the show. But you I know mean, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even like to. to th- if there was a top ten for worst jokes on the late breaking YouTube channel, Amazon's got it. We'll get in touch to get that sorted. Moving on to the 2020 Championship. Starting to rack through the rounds now, and it's Max Verstappen who leads Valtteri Bottas in P2. Of course, Lewis Hamilton leading the way at the top of the Championship. Sam, do you think that Max Verstappen could hold on to that P2 for the rest of this year, or do you think that the might of Mercedes will allow Bottas to get back in front? Oh, I 100% think that Max Verstappen has absolutely everything he needs to hold on to P2 in the standings. I mean... It's not like we haven't seen something similar before, is it? It's not like we haven't seen Valtteri Bottas not finish second in that Mercedes. Just look back at 2018. The man finished in fifth place and was almost 100 points away from Vettel in second. And in Hamilton won, wins the title with almost 100 points in front of Vettel. The gap there, oh my God, I've just looked it up. 161 points between teammates. You're having an absolute, I can't say Tim Bath again, um, Western Supermare. There you go. Honestly, Bottas has had some shockers when it comes to having the absolute best car and not be able to even finish second place. And there is every chance it happens again. Max Verstappen is really in his stride. He's really come a long way since we saw that mistake-ridden season we had a couple of years ago. And that Red Bull, actually, in my opinion, probably isn't as good as it has been in comparison to the top. And it's not as great as it was in comparison to the midfield either. And yet Verstappen, time and time again, is pulling that car up to fight those Mercedes. Look at his teammate. Look at Albon. One of the biggest standard performers of the season, in my current opinion, you know, how far he's gone so far. I'm sorry to all the simps on Twitter that will absolutely hate me for that. But oh, no. he's not doing the job that he used to do. If you look at his teammate, one man finishes in second in one race, the next man finishes eighth. Bottas is almost at the same level as what Albon is to, to Verstappen as he is to Hamilton. He needs to step it up. Otherwise, 
I don't know if he'll get that second place back. Yes, they're close at the moment. But that's what, two races in a row now that on completely fair pace alone, Verstappen has beaten Bottas. It is not good enough from the Mercedes driver. So, yeah, there is absolutely every chance, unless Bottas has the absolute perfect run for the rest of the season, I think Verstappen has what it takes to get past Bottas and hold on for the rest of the season. Just to say very quickly with that Bottas and Albon comparison, I don't see Bottas getting lapped by his teammate. I mean... That hasn't been close to happening. So, I mean, Hamilton's got Bottas firmly on his lap, though, isn't he? You know, that's Wee. okay. Cheers, my number two driver. <laughs> anyway, Harry, do you think Verstappen can keep P2? Uh, I do. I think he's got every chance. I think at, on a Sunday, Verstappen this year has potentially been the best driver. Uh, his Sunday performances are ridiculous. I don't think. I mean, he resided in um, in Austria, but that was mechanical. And I know he did bin it on the outlap in Hungary, but let's pretend that that doesn't count. Um, even in, even then, Hungary, he was still mighty in the race. So, if he keeps doing that in the race, and you know, can get past Bottas at the start, or even out qualify Bottas as he has done on a couple of occasions, I think. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see why why he can. Arguably, that shouldn't happen because that Mercedes is quicker than that Red Bull. Um, and I do think Bottas has been a little bit unlucky. I mean, he's unlucky with the puncture at Silverstone. I think he was a little bit unlucky with the cool, the strategy cool at the second race at Silverstone. Um, but yeah, even so, he shouldn't have been overtaken by uh, by Verstappen at the start in Spain. Um, and he should even then he should have got back, back past him. So uh, yeah, there's every possibility because... I just think Verstappen has been absolutely mighty on a Sunday afternoon this year. I don't think, I don't, I would, I mean, Hamilton's been great as well, as we've seen. He was completely mighty in Spain. But um, yeah, I think maybe Verstappen has been the best Sunday driver. I think it's plausible. I think it could happen, but I don't think it is. I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas is going to finish P2 this season. Um, yeah, like I say, it's plausible, but for it to happen, two things will need to occur. Firstly, Max Verstappen, who has been brilliant to this point in the season, he has to maintain that. He has to maintain that throughout the whole year, which I believe he could. And if I had to make a guess, I think he will. However, that by itself, I don't think is going to be enough for him to finish P2. I also think that Valtteri Bottas, who has been, I'm going to say average throughout this season so far, as well as a bit unlucky, I think. Both of those things are going to have to continue. He's going to have to continue to be average, which I personally don't think will be the case. I'm not saying Bottas is going to come out and suddenly be world champion, but I think he will uh, improve from average to good or even very good, in which case I think that Mercedes is going to be too much. Um, And, you know, the bad luck is going to have to continue for him as well, which, you know, none of us can tell whether that's going to be the case, but... He's been fairly unlucky to this point. I'd be surprised if that continued on for the rest of the year. So I have confidence in Verstappen's ability to finish second, but I don't have the confidence in the Red Bull package compared to Mercedes. I just don't think they've got quite enough to do it with Valtteri Bottas on a, on I, I want to say regular form, on good form, which I think Bottas can get back to. I don't think Verstappen is going to have enough. And 
there are a few races coming up, actually. Uh, we know how good Mercedes are, particularly in qualifying. On race day, it seems to be a little bit closer. But in terms of qualifying, Mercedes are so, so good at the moment. And I know there are questions with party mode disappearing at some point in the next few races, whether whether that will make a difference. I personally think that the gap between Mercedes and the rest of the field in terms of qualifying is too much. Even if party mode eradicates half of that gap, that would still leave about three and a half temps, four temps. So I think they will still continue to qualify first and second a lot of the time. So Verstappen at these races such as Mugello and Imola is going to have a really difficult time if he doesn't take Bottas off the line in the same way that he did at Spain. So I think if Bottas can finish P2 or P1 at those races, Verstappen's going to find it pretty difficult to beat him in the championship. And, I mean, your mention of Albon actually has got me thinking, Sam. Do you think that there's a chance that Albon finishes P4 in the championship? Hmm, interesting question. Uh, If he maintains his current form, no, I don't think he does finish P4 in the championship. If he maintains that current form and he continues to qualify further down than his teammate, he can't make the overtakes needed. We've got some tough tracks that are going to be, you know, very much Spain-like, I think, when it comes to overtaking ability. Um, Mugello... Uh, Imola's not going to be easy. You know, there's going to be a good couple of tracks. If he struggles on that Saturday, which has been his weakness recently, I don't think he gets past the likes of the racing points and maybe even the likes of now the McLarens, the Renaults, and maybe Charles Leclerc with the current format. He didn't beat Vettel and he was struggling on those bloody tyres last time out. For me, Albon needs to shift it into another gear. There needs to be... I'm glad they're giving... I say this every single time. I'm glad they're giving him the time. I'm glad they're not piling on the pressure. But he also needs to deliver those performances. And I'm not seeing an improvement. If anything, I'm seeing a reduction in good performances at the moment. And if it carries on the way it is, I don't know if Albon finishes in the top five, let alone the top four. Okay, follow-up question to that. If he doesn't finish fourth and he finishes lower than fourth, is that a failure? Oh, yeah, 100%. If your teammate is winning races, scrapping it out and beating regularly one of the drivers from by far the top team across the season... You should be, even if you are well off the points tally, you should be in fourth place. And for me, if it is a total failure, if he is behind the likes of Stroll and Perez, if maybe Norris keeps it in front, you, you, you're on the brink of having to look elsewhere. Bring in an Nico Hulkenberg for a couple of seasons and let your rookie drivers actually develop properly and stop throwing them into the most difficult scenario. And I blame this as much on Red Bull as I do as Albon. I don't think Albon is ready for a top seat, but Red Bull have no other options. They're a toxic environment, and they go, well, what else do we do? We need two drivers. Let's chuck another youngster in who's got no experience in that top level. And it's too early for him, and it's coming back to bite them, and it's damaging their careers far too early on when they could be something really, really good. For me, if he doesn't get top five, that's time to maybe look at another option. Same two questions for you, Harry. Do you think that fourth place is achievable? And do you think anything other than fourth is a failure? Yes, it's achievable. Uh, I think that Red Bull is that is cap- it's capable of being you know second best car team on the grid. Um, and yeah, I agree with Sam. He's got a we saw you know slight glimpse of it in in Spain, but I just think it needs to continue that that improvement in qualifying and. You know, in in uh, Belgium and Italy, it you know, wouldn't necessarily be an issue. We saw last year he came from the back of the grid to fifth place, I think it was. Um, but yeah, for the tracks where it's going to be difficult to overtake, he just needs to have another another step forward on his quality results. Um, the second question, which was, oh yeah, would it be a failure? Yes, I think so. If you consider how well Max is doing in that car, 
oh, you know, you know Max has already won a race. Um, and I know Red Bull at that second race at Silverstone, both cars were going well. But we've said it before, Albon needed to be out there to you know, be his wingman. And I know Max didn't necessarily need him, but it would just help. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got to get you know, that fourth place, be that position behind Max. to, to Otherwise, otherwise it, yeah, it's a failure, really. Yeah, I think I, w- I would tend to agree that, that fourth place is definitely achievable for Alex Albon just based on that Red Bull. You know, pure maths, Red Bull is the second best car on the grid. Therefore, they should be occupying third and fourth place at a bare minimum. So, yeah, I do think that fourth place is achievable. And particularly because, you know, Leclerc's had a pretty good start to the season in that Ferrari. But we know how how poor that car is this year. You know, Lando Norris is within that fight as well. But the McLaren is struggling to make uh, Q3 on a few races. And, you know, Renault haven't quite got it together. And, and the Racing Point guys are getting there but still dropping some unnecessary points so um there doesn't seem to be a very complete third best team on the grid at the moment and Albon should really use that to his benefit and allow that and really give him the opportunity to finish it to finish fourth so I, I do think anything other than fourth place would be a failure from his perspective I think minimum acceptability would be fifth behind a racing point even then that's um that's pretty disappointing um but yeah, I, I, considering that Verstappen is competing for race wins, there's not really an excuse for, for Alex Albon to, to not be in that top five, probably fourth place, really. Moving on to the end of the season. So we've obviously had a bit of a, a different calendar to what we were expecting at the beginning of this year. I can't even imagine what our reactions would have been back in January if you'd told us that we're going to be racing at Imola, Portimao, Mugello and potentially Istanbul. Um, but that is the race we're going to focus on here is because there is a good chance that F1 will return to Turkey uh, for one of the final rounds of the season. Sam, are you excited for the prospect of that? Take me back to Turkey. I mean, gobble, gobble, gobble. This podcast is going on the wobble. I'm so excited to go to Turkey. It's an immense track. It's overtaking galore. The last time we were there, we've seen absolute havoc wreak everywhere. You love to see it. It's got some of the most incredible corners in F1. The thing I'm nervous about, right? We've all got this wonderful, wonderful image in our heads. Istanbul, turn eight, how beautiful it is. I watched Kimi Raikkonen go around there today, not obviously in real life, on a video. And it was just majestic. It was fantastic. I loved every second. I'm so nervous that you're going to put Lewis Hamilton in that 2020 F1 car. And it's going to be like going in a straight line. It's going to be like, oh, was it... Bottas, you know, there's a turn back there. Of course, he'd be able to say it over his shoulder because Bottas is about 20 seconds behind him. But it's going to be like it doesn't exist. And that corner is one of the most iconic corners in Formula 1 history. And I'm really, really nervous that we're going to go up there and be like, yeah, no, it literally means nothing anymore. I still think they'll produce incredible racing. I still think we'll have great overtakes. The track's wide enough for good wheel-to-wheel action. The sectors are, it's almost like a really, 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 really good version of Abu Dhabi. It's like if Abu Dhabi was fun, you get Istanbul. But I am a little nervous that they're going to destroy the hopes and dreams of turn eights everywhere. But other than that, yes, bring on Istanbul. Harry, are you excited for, for Istanbul? Obviously, it's not confirmed at this point, but it, it, it's heavily rumoured. Uh, I don't think I'm as excited as Sam. Gobble, gobble, gobble. 
this podcast has a has gone to a wobble. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I never mind Tur- never minded Turkey as a as a track. I think uh, with Sam, I think Turn Eight is going to be obliterated, and not just by the Mercs. I think even the Williams. I think they'll all be flat out through there um, because of the downforce these cars have. And the ones the last time we were there, 2011. So yeah, I think. That's sad. Turn A won't be much of a challenge. It'll still be a challenge on the old neck, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I think it would it will still provide some good racing. And yeah, like I said, Ben, if you told us back in January this is where we, we'd end up, then I'd have told you you'd, you'd gone mad and had too many ciders. So, um, One's enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I if, yeah, obviously say not confirmed, but heavily, heavily rumoured. I'd be excited for it. I think it'd be good. Hashtag gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm very much looking forward to Istanbul. I think it's a good circuit. Uh, I share the same worry that you said that Turn 8 is going to seem like a non-entity. And I I tweeted about this the other day that um, when I saw Charles Leclerc go through 130R Suzuka, of course, um, and he did it one-handed. That was such a depressing moment, such an epic corner. You think of all the memories we've had through that corner. Uh, immediately, one that springs to mind is, is Alonso's move on Schumacher, but it's always had a reputation as one of those daunting uh, corners on the F1 calendar, uh, and Charles Leclerc last year went through one-handed. And Turn 8, of course, has this incredible reputation as a great corner, and it is a great corner, but these cars are so, so good that I am worried that they will they will go by as if it wasn't even there. And, um, you know, Charles Leclerc, even in even in the, the Haas B team, I think Charles Leclerc is going to have a really good opportunity to go flat out through there and probably one-handed again. He'll probably have enough. He'll probably have enough to spare that he can have a cup of tea in one hand and a slice of lemon cake in the other uh, and control the control the steering wheel with his feet. That that's how good these cars are. So hopefully that isn't the case, and they still find that it's a massive challenge. Because I don't know, I don't want that bubble to be burst. I'm just going to go to Sainsbury's now and get some lemon cake. Oh, you're absolutely starving, mate. What yeah, are you doing that, to us? That, come on. What an image you painted there. <laughs> yeah, see a lemon cake around turn eight of Istanbul. Oh, uh, do cake. you know what? There's there's so many quotes. I don't know which one to pick for the uh, for the preview. To be honest, I don't know which one to take out of this podcast. There's been there's been there's been so many, many good ones. Do many? No, it's going to well, be gobble gobble gobble. Of course, it's gobble <laughs> I don't think this podcast could get any better. However, we do have a final segment, which is the best segment in the history of the late breaking podcast. So, Harry, take it away. It's F1, back and forth, it's F1, back and forth, it goes backwards, and then goes forth, it's F1, back and forth, yeah, F1. Stunning, absolutely love it. F1 back and forth, if you haven't seen this before, very simple game, it's Sam versus Harry, I put together a category, there are a number of 
drivers or circuits or something along those lines in that category and they keep going giving answers giving correct answers until they can't anymore or they give a wrong answer so i mean sam you confident of another win today no it's too many harry's way more knowledgeable than i am generally around f1 um so no i'm not feeling good you say that but you are on a massive streak well it's about time the clothes go back on Good God. It, it was that time a long time ago, Sam, and we've told you. <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the first. We've got two different uh, two different categories today. The first one, Williams drivers since 1980. So there are 41 correct answers. And play along at home as well. How many can you name? Harry, if you wouldn't mind going first on this one. A Williams driver since 1980. George Russell. Nope, sorry. No, <laughs> fell at the first hurdle. Never mind. Yeah, George Russell. <laughs> Sam, who have you got? Nicky Latifi. I believe he's more commonly known as Nicholas, but oh. I'll give you it. Yes. Thanks. Harry. Jäger uh, Kubica. <laughs> uh, you did use his correct first name as well, so well done. Sam? Uh, quick Nick. Nick Heigfeld. Yeah, good old Quick Nick. And I mean,. I, I might just give you 10 points for that because of how amazing Nick Heidfeld is. Harry? Lance Stroll. Uh, more commonly known as Goat, Goat Stroll. But Sorry, right. Goat Stroll. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sam? Um, Nico Alkenberg. Yes, Daniel Ricciardo, that is correct. Nico Alkenberg is the correct answer. Harry? Felipe Massa. Oh, good old Felipe. Oh, good old Felipe. Yes, is the right answer. Sam? Uh, he wanted to drive a Mercedes, but he ended up driving a Williams. It's Paul the rest of the grid. Yeah, well remembered. Of course, just that one Grand Prix in Hungary replacing Massa, but it is a correct answer. Harry? Um, Walter Bottas. Good old Walter Bottas. Version one at that time. But yeah, baby, little did he know how many versions he'd have after that. Mm. But yes, Bottas is correct. Sam? Yeah, it was the, the perfect version, the ultimate version. Uh, the 2006 quaffed hair version, Nico Rosberg. <laughs> oh, the Britney days. Don't you miss him? <laughs> it's Nico, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Harry? Um... Uh, our Lord and Saviour, Pastor Maldonado. Uh, yes, yeah, so when you said Lord and Saviour, I thought you were going to say Mahaviragunathan. But... Well, I mean, he should he should have had one by now, but yeah. Sure. But yes, Maldonado, of course, a correct answer. And still, the last driver to win in a Williams. Sam? Uh, I think this answer is a bag for a uh, number two podcast host, uh, Mark Webber. Yeah, good old Mark Webber. Fell to Nick Heidfeld, of course, but... He was all right as well, Mark Webber. Harry? <laughs> Bruno Sanna. Correct. Cheers. That's another answer sorted. <laughs> Sam? I'll go, I'll go for his... I was going to say his dad! It's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Ayrton Senna, the one that came before him in the alphabet. <laughs> I'll go for his dad, Steve Senna. <laughs> 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 yes, Ayrton Senna is the right answer. Harry? Um... 11th fastest F1 driver since 1983, Rubens Barrichello. 
Correct. Only three places behind Heike Kovalainen, would you know? <laughs> so, speaking of dads, and I do regularly, uh, KK Rosberg. KK Rosberg. KK, as most people say. Yeah, going right back. Good answer. Harry. Kazuki Nakajima. What a boy. Yes, Nakajima's right. Sam. Uh, Alan Prost. Yep, Alan Prost is right. Harry? Um, Juan Pablo Montoya. Oh, I was about to say Mr. Chunky! Mr. Chunky is the right answer, Juan Pablo Montoya. I'm so sorry, Juan Pablo. Such a horrible <laughs> nickname. No, it's so affectionate. I say it lovingly. <laughs> yeah, Juan Pablo Montoya is the right answer. Um, who have you got next, Sam? Well, I've dropped my moustache, but fortunately, Nigel Mansell still got his. Big Nige. Good answer. Harry? Um, Ralph Schumacher. Correct. Sam? Are we allowed to say one that's been said before? Am I immediately... Do I lose if it's been said? No, I'll, I'll let you off. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of big jaws, uh, David Coulthard. <laughs> uh, not been said, but yes, a right answer. Harry? Yes. Um... Uh, the worst and least deserving F1 World Champion, Jacques Villeneuve. Oh, correct. You just had to say it. You had to say it. Jacques Villeneuve is the right answer, though. Yes. Um, what, what have you got next, Sam? Um. Oh, my favourite Belgian, Jackie X. Is he? Is Jackie X is your favourite Belgian? I don't know any others. Fair enough. Uh, it's not a right <laughs> answer, default. but yeah, it's not right. No, sorry. What Jackie? I'm gonna to have to Google that. He definitely drove for Williams. Dun, dun. Was it before 1980 though? Jackie Hicks had retired by 1980, I think. You're having a laugh. He drove. <laughs> Sorry, language. You have to bleep that. He drove from when they were Frank Williams racing cars. Going oh. way back, but unfortunately, too far back here. So. Harry, you take the win. This feels like an absolute joke. Uh, one one. It's a hollow victory. <laughs> wow. I had so many more. What oh, Fangio? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Nelson PK didn't even get mentioned. I was getting ready to line up my my favourite Martin Brundle one that I always forget. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm so annoyed. That's like crashing into the Japanese barrier at one mile an hour. That is, it, oh, it is a bit um, niche reference. <laughs> just so, just some other answers that were out there. So, Alan Jones, Reutemann, Jack Lafitte, Nelson Piquet, Ricardo Patrese, Brundle, Damon Hill, Frenson, Jensen Button, Antonio Pizzonia, who loves Turn One at Circuit to Catalonia. Um, <laughs> Seriously, check that video out if you haven't. Alex Wurtz, Sergey Sorokin. You missed, you missed Sergey. Oh, God, Sergey. No, I had it on my list. I was ready, but bloody Jackie X apparently doesn't count. He's not my favourite Belgian anymore, is he? <laughs> this isn't Jackie X's fault that he wasn't in F1 after 1980. <laughs> okay. okay, you've got I a chance for revenge, though. 
you do have chance for for your revenge here because we've got a second category. Oh, I got a second round. I was about to play the jingle. No, there's a second round. It's a bit of a smaller one, so there's only eleven answers in this one. Okay. Any circuit that has hosted a Formula One Grand Prix in Asia, and just to clarify, we're not including Hanoi because it hasn't hosted a Grand Prix. In uh, Istanbul and Sochi in Turkey and Russia, we're counting those as European races, so neither of those count as well. But other than that, we have 11 races in Asia. So, Sam, your first circuit from that list? Do I have to give the literal circuit or can I just say the, the country? You can't say the country because there's quite a few. There's a few that are. Oh, poo bags. Um, in that case, we'll go with Suzuka. Suzuka is correct. Harry? Um, Suji. Correct. Sam? Sepang. Oh, I miss Sepang. Yeah, so that's right, I. though. Harry? Um, the Shanghai International Circuit. Wow, and you gave the full name as well, so well done. <laughs> Sam? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it Kumbaringa Bay in Singapore? <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> nice one. Um, Harry. Oh, God. I can't think of any more. Um, uh, um, a- Ada? Is that yeah, the... yeah, nice one. Yeah. Yep, that's absolutely fine. Pacific Grand Prix. Sam, there are another five answers. Bang, because I'm stupid. Are we counting the Middle East as Asia for this? <laughs> hey, Sam. Yeah, we are. Oh, that Bahrain. Yeah. International circuit, I believe, is the full game. Yeah, that's cool. Hurry. <laughs> um, the Yas Marina circuit. Yas! Yas Marina. Yas, uh, yes, that is the correct answer. Three more to go. Sam, have you got any more answers? Um, yeah. Um, well, that's good. I do. <laughs> I'm very uncertain on them. Yongnam oh, in sure. Korea. Yes. The goat circuit. Yes. Oh, I'm so good at this. Harry, there are two more answers. Do you know any of them? Uh, I've only got one. And I'm not sure if that's right, but the Bud International yeah. <laughs> The Buddha. <laughs> the Buddha, yes. That's correct. Commonly known as uh, Sebastian Vettel's training ground, considering how good he was there. But yes. One more answer, Sam. Do you know what it is? It depends if we're... Uh... Monaco. <laughs> I... <laughs> that's how bad my geography is yeah are we counting no we're not no we're not we're not don't be stupid oh i'm just gonna say istanbul because part of turkey is technically in asia if not it's Sochi and russia i mean ben did say at the start we're not doing oh in that case <laughs> is it Sochi and russia or is that part of europe he also, he also said that <laughs> God damn it, I don't know! 
I'm I'm all out as well, so we can call, okay. we can call that a draw. In, in, Fine. in fairness, this one is a bit of a tricky one, and I'm blaming F1 for this because it hosted the European Grand Prix. Oh, oh God. It's bloody, it's bloody um, Baku. Yeah, it's Baku, yeah. isn't it? Well Baku, done, Baku. Baku is the only remaining answer, but well done. Good effort there. Well, there you go. I'll put the clothes back on. I'll just <laughs> sing now as well. Great. <laughs> Absolute fastest bloody podcast. It's F1. Back and forth. It's F1. Back and forth. It goes backwards. And then goes forth. It's F1. Back and forth. Yeah, F1. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, the next time you'll be hearing from us will be the preview for the next Grand Prix, which is, of course, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. And the question will turn to, can Jackie X win his home Grand Prix or not? <laughs> Considering he's still racing. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist that one. But that is the next time you'll hear from us. Sam, if you could, get us out of here. Uh, hashtag justice for Sam. If you think that Frank Williams is going just Williams is still technically part of Williams, let me know, please. That'd be very helpful. I need to be throwing Benny stupid ideas. Uh, it's not, join it's not the after 1980. We're going to talk about Spa. Um, in the meantime, I've been Sam the Same. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Giancarlo Baghetti. Why weren't you Jack Yates? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.